This is Joe Burns. And Beth West. Hey, thank you for listening to the Rock School Radio Podcast. We think you'll learn something. Now remember, if you want to hear the show with all the music in place, go to kslu.org and stream the show live. Thursdays at 5 and Sundays at 4. It's a new show every week. Now enjoy this week's Rock School Radio Show. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. Well, again, while we were off air, you got to bring all these stories on air. You can't just get off air, look at me, and go, "Oh, I got another good story." Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show, emanating from the campus of Southeastern Louisiana University. My name is Joe Burns, uh, broadcasting from this here chair, brand new studio here, because the other one broke down. It's the way radio goes. Beth uh, Beth West has slept right through her alarm clock, because last night she went to see Jason Isbell and apparently did not want to get up and come to work this morning. That's okay, though, because we were all set up to have a guest here in the Rock School studio today. What's your name, young man? Who is you? Steve Shepker. Steve Shepker. We're doing a show today on roadies and uh, steve and i have known each other now for about 13 years and before you got into academics you were in fact a roadie an actual honest to god roadie weren't you not yes yes who'd you roadie for i've worked at a roadhouse the old glory amphitheater at six flags over mid-america in eureka (laughs) missouri and uh unlike the six flags in New Orleans, the one in St. Louis is still open. Ah, so, but it didn't flood. It no, has to flood for it to go away. But uh, we did road shows, and uh, I also worked for a small production, now defunct production company. And we did bands that were coming up or bands that were going down. And uh, at the Old Glory Amphitheater at Six Flags, it was the same way. We did bands that were skyrocketing or just glad to be here. <laughs> about t- about $5,000 a night on a chicken platter, huh? A little bit more than that, actually. Most, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I know New Kids on the Block, that was about 30000 You did New Kids on the Block? Yes. So you and Joey Fatone hung out backstage? No. I was... Was the uh, Marky? I was Mar- Was it Marky Mark? No, yeah. no, it was Marky Mark's brother, who, right. I, who I don't know. The fact that I could pull Joey Fatone out of my head <laughs> probably frightens my wife and the audience more than anything. So, I, whatever, Marky Mark's brother. Let's go with that. I was his spotlight pickup for the evening. Were you yeah, really? Yeah, I was running spotlight. For, I remember that vividly. The, very few. I, I had to make a list of these bands that I did because it all just meshes into one giant show. After a while, New Kids in the Block stuck out because. We did them twice the summer they went big. Yeah. We did them once in July, I believe, and they cost 30. When they came back, they were 90,000. Wow, Steve. They and you had the right stuff. <laughs> so, what I've done is I've gotten a couple of books about roadies, and uh, I'm going to run a lot of this stuff past you, how much you made, and all of that. And uh, you have made it clear you don't want to talk about some of the. Uh, 
how do you put it, the nefarious stuff. But you will talk about some of the uh, some of the ways you worked, and uh, we're going to do that for an hour right here on Rock School. Now, I want to play songs that are about roadies. And uh, when I listed the playlist for you beforehand, you snickered at this one and went a classic. So I'm going to start off with it. This is Motorhead. We are the road crew here on Rock School. <laughs> Okay, here with our personal roadie, it's Steve, uh, Steve Shepker. Now, Steve, you were telling me off mic, and I don't know whether I should bring this on air or not, but you told me that everybody at your roadhouse was paid in cash, physical cash. I mean, in a brown paper bag with a dollar sign, you know, and I want to meet Tuesday Weld. What did? You, why was that? Why didn't they get paid by check? I don't. I never quite understood it myself. It was just they always walked in and they had a security guard, an ununiformed security guard, and they would walk in with the briefcase full of cash, and that's how they like to do business. My assumption is a lot of that wasn't told back to the government. That's probably a real safe assumption. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how that worked. but When new kids came back in May 90, something tells me it got reported around 45. Right. Sure. And then at age 18, to see a briefcase come in with $30,000 worth of cash, and it was was pretty impressive. Now, you worked at a roadhouse, you said. Now That means that when the band showed up, and you told me one time you worked Cheap Trick, when Cheap Trick shows up, they have to have a road crew with them. Yes. What did you do? We unloaded the truck for Cheap Trick specifically. I had the cush job of being the driver. Wow. Sometimes you got to... Depending, uh, I worked my way up quickly through the ranks and got to be driver. I guess they trusted me with the van. But uh, uh, I got to drive the van back to the airport, which is a really cool gig. I had to pick them up at 8 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I remember Rick Nielsen wasn't real excited about his, like, 9.30 plane flight. <laughs> but they did tip me when I, I got to the I got them to the airport in time. And what they give you? What? What? Does, twenty bucks. I got twenty. Twenty dollars. Well, I mean, this was nineteen eighty-eight. Okay, but how much did they make for the night? Oh, I I, I don't know what they made. I I remember new. Take kids, a guess. Uh, probably twenty grand. I mean, this was the eighties. So, so that means you got point oh oh one percent of the haul that night. I was uh, well and. Uh, if my boss is listening right now, I didn't accept that twenty dollars, you know, because we, we, we don't accept tips. <laughs> I see. Were you allowed to talk to them? I mean, could you? Could you? Let, let's say, for the sake of argument, again, give me another name of a band that you worked. I see your list there. Thirty eight special. Thirty eight special. Now, could you have walked up to Ronnie Van Zant and said, "Hey, I've been a fan forever, and you know, can you sign this?" That would be a pink slip. That's oh, they fire you on the spot. Yeah, I saw my boss do that on more than one occasion. Was or autographs or talk, unless they addressed you specifically, you weren't supposed to talk to them. Which is it's pretty much protocol with stagehands or roadies or not really. The road crew talks to them, obviously, but right. But we were just we're hired hands, and that's who would I mean who would allow you? Give me a band that would allow you to talk to them, and a band that just simply would not talk to you. They were above it all. I don't remember anyone um being like that being above it all yeah uh, we yeah. we were we did bands that were going up or going down so they didn't really we didn't get a lot of attitude well a lot of times they'd come from the bu- they would come from their bus they'd walk down to the stage 
have a little something to eat, go back up to the bus after sound check, and then you know you they they'd be in and out, in and out. So, huh. So you told me one time the Statler brothers were really good, the, the, nice the guys. Country band, Oak Ridge Boys, all the country bands were always very kind people. But yeah. the uh, the Rockers, yeah, the Rockers, Bloister Cult. I mean, they were they weren't happy, the, you know. And if they weren't happy, no one was happy. That's too bad. That's you know, if bad. their fried chicken and catering wasn't good, then everyone had to pay. What was it about fried chicken that everybody wanted fried chicken? I I got to a point where I'd had enough. We we, we always got to eat after the bands did, and uh, you got to a point where it's like no more fried chicken, please, please. <laughs> Grand Funk Railroad, we're an American band on Rock School. Grand Funk here on Rock School. Steve Shepker, our, uh, our roadie in tow, if you will. Now, well, again, while we were off air, you got to bring all these stories on air. You can't just get off air, look at me, and go, oh, I got another good story. Get these things on air. You said the cheap trick trashed the dressing room. Or wasn't it? It was the hotel room. Oh, the hotel room. What were they, about 40 at this time? They're, they're pushing 50 or 55 they, now. They were has-beens. I felt like th- that was the She's Tight tour, I believe. Right. The Flame, I think, was the hit at that right. point. They were having their resurgence right at that point. And uh, we had them that summer. And uh, they apparently I'd heard through the grapevine that they had been, had a loud night. I don't remember. I just I did, I did worked loadout, so I worked till like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I had to come back and take him to the airport, and I had to be at the hotel at eight o'clock. And I got there in my twelve-passenger van and pulled up. Uh, and <laughs> the manager greeted me, and he said, "Boy, you know, oh, that's who he, he said it, we. It, they had a really wild party that night, and they had a good time, and blah blah blah. Let me go wake Rick up." So he went uh. up and quiet. It was one of those outside hotels where you can see all the doors. And it was a Holiday Inn, and he knocked on the door. I don't know why I remember that, but he knocked on the door quietly, and Rick came to the door, and all he was wearing was his underwear. And uh, he looked kind of rough. And uh, about 20 minutes later, he emerges from his room, and he had his guitar cases with him. And uh, I went to go grab them, and one of them was the the large five-neck anvil case. It was huge. And... uh, he was trying to figure it out to get it out the door, and it had the hotel door closer thing. You know? Sure, and he put the so he put a, a an igloo not an igloo a styrofoam cooler in the door to hold the door open so right. he could he didn't want me in the room. I don't know what the hell happened in there, but uh, <laughs> he put the styrofoam cooler plausible deniability. <laughs> he put the styrofoam cooler, and of course, the styrofoam cooler just completely collapsed. Sure. And all this corona, like, just exploded all over to the ground. Well, Rick wasn't real happy about that. Yeah. And he handed me the guitar cases, and I walked back to the van, and managers was just like, wait here. And all, I was sitting in the um, in the van looking at the window, and the window was just shaking in the in the frame of the thing. And I was yeah. Like, I could hear it from the van. And They're I had, screaming or what? No, it just pounding. Oh. 
he, uh, he, 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 he'd taken his last guitar and used it as a, basically a hammer, and he, he destroyed the sheetrock in every section of the room. And it, in 88, he did like $3,500 worth of damage to this hotel room in probably about five, ten minutes. And the manager came out later and said, God, I haven't seen anything like that since the 70s. So, <laughs> Well, at least you still got 20 bucks. Exactly. They got their, their airport on time. Speaking about 20 bucks and all of that, how much money did you make? I mean, were you on salary? No, I was hourly. I was I was making 10 bucks an hour at the time, which in 1988 for pushing road cases was a really, really pretty... Not bad. Yeah, I mean, minimum wage then was about, I want to say it was 3.35 an hour. We were we were some of the highest paid employees in the park. Now, you said you were up at 8 o'clock in the morning. What? T- well, you were there to pick them up at 8 o'clock in the morning. What time did it all finish? Because obviously you're the guys working on stage. You have to clean up the stage and put it to bed. What the time were you done? Hours are wicked. I mean, you'll start at 8 a.m. and you're usually done 2 or 3 by the time you... If the show's at 7, 8 o'clock, by the time you're done, it's 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. That is wicked. And uh, that's what you do. And uh, it's uh, it's a lifestyle. Do you feel, I mean, do you feel like I'm in show business and that's why I do it? Yeah, it's still pretty cool. It's still it's still pretty cool, even at my age, to get a backstage pass and walk backstage. And could you do it today? You're what, about 40, I'm guessing 45, 46? I could, yeah. Could I you could, do it? But not weekly, you know. I couldn't do it week after week after week. It's a young man's game, you it think? It is a young man's game. Yeah. Is it ever? She was especially having to clean up all the drywall or take Richard Marks dry cleaning to the dry cleaners. I did do that too. Well, you got to get all that Aquanet out of it. It's it's tough. <laughs> right here, nice All right, first break here on Rock School, talking again with uh, Steve Shepker, our roadie in tow. Let's talk swag. Swag, an acronym for stolen while at gig. Or stuff while at gig. Stuff while at gig. I've heard that the commerce of gig is swag. It is traded for anything. Is that true? Yeah, there's nothing cooler than a free T-shirt that says "Local Crew" on the back. <laughs> Would they give those out? I mean, oh, yeah, like candy. Yeah. A lot of times they'd use them as we'd have backstage passes, but we'd also have shirts. It was a partially uh, extra level of security as well because we would get, they'd want you to wear that shirt, and it served as you know just because you had a backstage pass didn't necessarily mean you were you know supposed to be backstage so if you had a local crew shirt on they knew exactly who you they were. they knew who you were right and sometimes we had to trade them around depending on what duties we had for the day so to to like so they could kind of keep an eye on things so what about i'm going to just go right into groupies you, people have got to be wondering i mean you, you hear the stories about david lee roth throwing backstage passes from the stage and he would give a hundred dollars to whoever's groupie got backstage and spent the evening with him did i mean did that stuff go on did you see it oh, yeah yeah there was a lot of pointing 
and they would point to the, their manager and they would point out in the audience and they would hand things back and that's how they got back to the bus with the girls. So. Would you would, would you ever run a, a backstage pass out? No, we we that was always between like the managers and the uh, um, I saw it a lot. Every once in a while, I'd get stuck in the pit. Um, What's the, the pit? What's the, the we pit? had a pit in front of the stage, and it was just a a space a fence. between the audience. Yeah, okay. it was a fence between the stage and the house. And it was sort of we were supposed to keep people from climbing over it. Okay. When New Edition was there, the the crush was unbelievable. I was really glad I wasn't down there that night. But you'd see a lot of that from the pit where the band would be pointing at girls, and that's how they'd end up. For new t- kids on the block, or New Edition. Oh, you'd have to be really concerned about underage stuff, wouldn't you? <laughs> or they didn't care, did they? No, no, there were no rules. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you saw things that you know people aren't supposed to see. Did you really have that? Did anybody ever have you sign any kind of confidentiality, or was no, it just no. understood? That's... It was just understood, and there was no no one, no one cared. Oh. It was the eighties too. It was a little, little looser. It was the eighties. Listen to you. <laughs> and a lot more hair. <laughs> Both of us. Everything was looser, and uh, yeah, there was you know no. It was no holds barred basically. And I watched many an artist. I watched one artist uh, take three girls to the bus with him. So. I mean, what do you do? I've heard about that. But, I mean, three on one. You can't even play a basketball game like that. No. What do you do? Uh, it was, I don't know. He probably sung Funky Comedina at the time. Uh, so <laughs> Apparently. And thank you for overpronouncing <laughs> funky. Hey, thanks a lot for listening to us. KRFY Sandpoint, Idaho, and also our brand new affiliate. You ready for these call letters? KFOK, Sacramento, California. Don't say what it says out loud. Back in a minute on Rock School. Bruce Ells and Company, a proud supporter of KSLU programming, will host the second annual Southeast Louisiana Good. Talking roadies here on Rock School today. Now, Steve, you said you worked at a standard place, i.e. the bands came to you. Do you ever travel at all? A little bit. I worked for a, a small production company that had lighting and sound, and they did the same type of work, bands going up or bands going down. And we did dates around Missouri, Illinois, you know, three, four hours from St. Louis, where I'm from. So Now, did you travel with the band? Were you on the bus? Uh, no, we weren't involved. We had a 12-passenger van. Okay. I slept on my uh, Marlboro bag. I got it with my Marlboro Miles. Um, I did that, too. You collected the little coupons? <laughs> the coolest thing ever. Was oh, sure. It was a nice bag. You know, if you got like a million and a half of those, they give you a pool table. <laughs> Just never could, you know, if you're halfway to cancer, here's a pool table. <laughs> I made it to the bag. Good for but you. But that was my pillow, and I would sleep on that. And we... Uh, we stayed in a lot of bad motel sixes. Uh, we weren't. We didn't stay anywhere near where the band. The band usually pretty much sleeps in the bus. That's their home. Right. But uh, we, yeah, we would. Uh, you know, we'd get to the venue. That would be our, our. The van would be our little house. Occasionally, they'd spring for a hotel. Uh, it was that was not glamorous, and most that's how most roadies. Depending on where you're working, the bigger roadies will actually travel with the band. And l- like, what's a bigger roadie? What's the difference between you and a bigger roadie? Well, like Neil Pert has his own drum tech. The drum, oh, te- the drum tech, or the guitar techs. You like um, bon- uh, not Bono? What's his name? The Edge has yeah. his own guitar tech. Those guys usually travel with the band, and they're in the plane. Didn't you tell me one time that normally the guitar techs are better musicians? Musicians 
than the guitarists themselves. Yes. Uh, I'd, I'd heard many a guy warm up that was, and I play guitar kind of, yeah. so I can kind of, I've, yeah, I've, I've seen some guitar t- text just shred. And then, you know, the whoever gets up there, like the, you know, the guy from the monkeys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said R.A.M. one time. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's not bad. I mean, he's no slouch. Right. But you said his guitar tech was Ingve Malmsteen. Right. The, the, some of those guys are incredible because all they have, they get the guitar set up and then they can practice all day. And it's really a shame that they just didn't get the, the right break that the artist loosely termed. You know, Got. But, but like the guy in the circus that cleans up the elephant poop, I'm in show business. Exactly. And he's there. Okay, got to take one to the bottom of the hour. And uh, which one did I mark here? Oh, Rolling Stones. How about Torn and Frayed? That's a little bit about uh, those of you who did the work that you did. Are you happy that you did it? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the sort of, I was uh, Facebooking with my friend to come up with the list of bands that I worked and uh it was really it was a good time. I yeah. mean, it we've I I worked with a great bunch of guys. We're all still pretty tight. We had a reunion a couple of years ago where we all got together and I bet somebody drank beer. There was a little bit of beer drinking going on. Just What's funny drink. is most of us are still in the business not none of us are roadies or doing rock and roll, but most of us are in showbiz business for the most part. That's great. Stones on Rock School. Bottom of the hour, plus a few minutes here, and uh, Steve told me that he doesn't read overly well on microphone, and so I'm going to force him to do seven days and 70 seconds here. Now, you sure you got it down? You've, you've read them over? You've previewed it? 10-4. You've done the whole thing? This, is, this isn't like the, the little thing you do on the microphone before the bands. Did you ever get to do that? The introduction, ladies and gentlemen, the band you came to see. That was usually the manager that did that. Oh, was it? Yeah, it's too they, bad. Yeah, they would, and they get all excited about it, and then they just walk away from the microphone, and it was just, you know, it's part of the act. Now let's do these dates. Uh, something that happened on these dates, October fourteenth, all the way through October twentieth. Uh, something that happened in rock and roll history. Let's see how well you do read. October fourteenth goes to Steve. Do it. A lawsuit was filed against Don Henley in Little Rock, Arkansas, by a fan claiming he was hit in the head. By Henley with a maraca. With a maraca, which goes, goes inside your head. October 15th, 1976, Ike and Tina Turner officially split as a music act. I, I worked Tina Turner. I, yeah, a thunderstorm, you said. She quit, yeah. She quit. Lightning, she was done. Chicken. October 16th, what do you got? Uh, the new Yardbirds played their first concert. They would soon change their name to Led Zeppelin. There you go. October 17th, 1967, the rock musical Hair opened in New York and ran 1,758 performances. With full male nudity. Full male nudity. October 18th, 1975, Simon Garfunkel reunited on Saturday Night Live. There you go. And I'll take the last two. October 19th, 1998, George Martin, the fifth Beatle, retires from the music business. And then October 20th, 1955, Deo was released by Harry Belafonte and Drunk Frat Guys Everywhere had something new to scream. All right, talk to me about drug use. Not so much your own, but what did you see at uh, at concerts? Because when I went, I remember just living in a cloud a lot of the time. The uh, the amphitheater had a 
bathroom fans installed in each of the dressing rooms. Yeah. And you it was right next to the switch for the light switch. And we would stand underneath. We had this place where we, we had some of our equipment underneath this stage. It was called the coop. Yeah. And we would stand under there. And depending on who the artist was, there was varying levels of smoke that was produced from the... Who, who was one that would just... Uh, remember producing Sant- a ton. Santana was basically like a <laughs> fog machine. It was impressive. And no one was allowed in his dressing room. Uh, they they posted a guard out in front of his dressing room. Yeah. And I caught a glimpse into his dressing room. And he had a little shrine set up to the Virgin Mary with, like, lots of votive candles. And uh, he did warm up before he played. Yeah. Uh, and he just... Him warming up backstage was absolutely unbelievable. But before that, yeah, he created some smoke yeah. out of a bathroom fan, which is pretty impressive. Did you see anybody else that got so whacked they couldn't perform? Uh, a lot of bands did. Uh, I remember uh, the drummer for Cheap, not to go back to Cheap Trick again, but yeah. the drummer for Cheap Trick was... Bunny Carlos. He was hammered for the show. Oh, that's too and, bad. And uh, a park hand, a light, exploded over his head and... <gasps> Uh, it rained glass on his drum kit, so as he was playing, the the glass was bouncing around, and he was he, they wanted him to go out for curtain call, and he didn't want to go out for curtain call, just or what not curtain call uh, the bow, yeah, right. The, well, they were going to play dream, the, they were going to play a couple more hits, or, yeah, an encore, encore, yeah. He wouldn't go. He didn't want to go, and they talked him into it, you know, of course. One more, real quick. Can you come up with one more? Uh, no. Willie. Willie, not well. No kidding. Right, that's a no-brainer. Uh, but Willie and Santana would have been a contest. It would, yeah. it would have been a real smoke off to see who beat who. <laughs> I still think it's funny he got arrested in Louisiana two years ago. For, yeah, they pulled his bus over. What's Yo- it? Youngest person on the bus was like fifty-seven. Right, and what's funny is they didn't put up a fight. From what I understand, right. Willie said, "Well, son, you got us." <laughs> <laughs> what's he gonna do? <laughs> Book him, Dino. Yeah, but well, at least he wasn't stuck in low dime. Here's CCR on Rock School. Just about a year. Talking roadie once again here on Rock School with resident roadie Steve Shepker. And you, obviously, when you did it, you saw a lot of backstage stuff. Blatantly, we talked about the drugs. We talked about the fact that clouds of smoke came out. What about requests in terms of riders? Did you see some really weird stuff? Obviously, they want food. But what did you see that was weird? The bowl of assorted condoms. I don't remember the... <laughs> Who was that? I don't remember the act... I, it wasn't New Kids. It was. Why did it have to be assorted? I, I, it said assorted. So I went to the Walgreens and I bought. <laughs> you had to go buy yeah. them. It's <laughs> <laughs> my job. Okay. And uh, they, they, I drove down there and you know went and it, that's when they were at the pharmacy and you'd have to walk in front of the pharmacist. So, yeah, and ask you know, for them. Right. And I picked one from each pile and um, put them in my little red thing and paid with them with my little Six Flags credit card. And then we went back and we put them in a like a salad bowl and we tore, tore them all apart. <laughs> and I can remember vividly tossing them. We like we tossed them in the little white salad bowl and we like we left them in the dressing rooms. And, you know, there were still I, I don't know if they even took any, but um, 
You know, it was kind of funny. I, I don't, I don't, the, the act completely escapes me. Okay. What about Joan Jett? Joan uh, wanted uh, some ladies to serve her dinner, and she had a specific outfit picked out for them. What was the outfit? A black, Can you tell it? A black dress, and the uh-huh. girls had to serve her dinner. In a black uh, dress? Yes. And Where'd that, you find the girls? Uh, Were they it like was at Six Flags. Models? No, the, it was at Six Flags. We... we at working there, we did the concerts, and I was I worked at the Old Glory, uh, no, darn it, Miss Kitty's Frontier Saloon. I was the stage manager. Oh, so this is like the six times a day show that people would sit and get out of the get into the air conditioning, and the girls from that's where the girls came from the show, and they volunteered and uh, had to well, wear black dresses. That had to be just creepy as anything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they felt the same way. Oh, yeah, they were they were pretty. Uh, they were concerned, and but everything went fine or whatever. But it was just a little off-putting. Real quickly, can you throw one more at me? The crews themselves used to do what Van Halen did with the Green M and M's. They would order something strange, like, and one of them was Hershey's chocolate milk. And okay. they would order. They would want two gallons of Hershey's chocolate milk, and the road crew would. The first thing they would do was go to the fridge and open the fridge to see if there was the Hershey's chocolate milk. And what was funny is they would never drink the Hershey's chocolate milk. Just would, to see if you read the rider. Right, just to see how specific they were. And that would be a real like gauge of how good their day was going to be. If, if we went that far and got them the Hershey's chocolate milk, it was going to be a good day or bad day. Huh. And then we'd end up drinking it. <laughs> well, hey, chocolate milk, it's, new, it's the new its the new after-workout drink. <laughs> Hello, WMCE Erie, Pennsylvania, and KSCL Shreveport, Louisiana. I appreciate you running the radio show. Back in a minute on Rock School. Until, you know, right before the show or right after the show. I mean, what should I be looking for during a show? Do they do anything? I mean, once the show gets underway, do you guys just go in the back and smoke, or is something going on? What did you do almost, during the show? Almost everybody has a duty during the show, running sound. I mean, the, all those companies are lean and mean. They have as few people working as possible to run yeah. it. But you're on lights. You're on sound. Uh, a lot of times you're standing around waiting for something to break, you know, and a lot of things do break. And Spinal Tap tells the truth. The pod doesn't open. Monitors go out. Mics go out, and that's when you have to work, like, really hard, or just it gets really scary, and you don't want to screw up in front of 15,000 people. What's the worst screw-up you've seen? I saw, well, uh, just monitors going out. That's was the, uh, and sound is evil because it's a very difficult, you know, it's a lot of wires, and uh, it, a lot of that stuff, it's in a truck all day and bouncing around, yeah. and things break. And in the 80s, too, you were you were beginning the age of tape. People were using tapes along. They weren't bringing bands with them and such. Millie Vanilli. Um, you I, saw Millie Vanilli. Yes, yeah. You worked Millie Vanilli. Yes, I did, watched them dance. Oh, did you get to meet Robin Fab? No. Once again, the fact that I could pull their names out of my head frightens me and most of the animals within a 10-foot radius. That was the first summer where, and also, New Kids on the Block did not sing, because you can't dance and sing at the same time like that. So they were lip-syncing. Yes, they were. Now, you also, as I remember, you told me you had Tiffany. Yes. That was there, who started, you know, in the malls of, of New Jersey, I believe. So, I mean, was she singing? She sang. She did. Poorly. But she sang. The fact remains, she sang. Right, and you could you could tell about uh, her makeup as well. Yeah, you could remove it with a trowel, <laughs> and it was it was just obscene. You know, she had, she needed a makeup artist. I don't mean to go the opposite way, and this is just really piggy. And Beth would kill me if it was here. But who was the artist 
that you looked at, you know, the, the, the female artist and just went, my God, she is as pretty as you think she is. Did you have somebody come through that just knocked everybody out? Did you have that one no, person come no, through? We, no, we didn't. No, really? No. I assumed there would be one, that one person that you remember. No, I they they all it turns into one big giant show after a certain point. I mean, there was some. I mean, Amy Grant was pretty at the time. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> did you think she's gone downhill? <laughs> I had Gloria Estefan in the uh, in the studio, and I remember you just you couldn't help but fall in love with her. Right. This woman was unbelievably pretty. I mean, it was you I, didn't have that, huh? No, I don't remember that. I, we, we and we did a lot of older artists too that were. Presser Prime or Greg Allman, who was still touring around, still playing guitar, and yeah. like the Monkees, you know, the, the Beach Boys. I did the Beach Boys in 1988 or 89, and they're still touring, and I can't, they sounded awful then. I can't imagine what they sound, sound like now. <laughs> Nobody cares what they sound like. It's the fact that you at the next day get to say, I went to see the Beach Boys. Right. That's They that's did have the is. UNLV cheerleaders with them that, that danced behind them, and that did help. Move the show bit. along. Yeah. I got to introduce the Beach Boys. I stood on stage and yelled out to the audience, is there somebody named Rhonda out there? And then I yelled, help me, Rhonda. Yeah, that's how pathetic I was. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're a whore. It is. It's terrible. <laughs> Let's play one from The Replacements. This is called Treatment Bound here on Rock School. Final break here on the Rock School Radio Show, and I'm going to ask you in a little bit how somebody gets into this, if they want to be a roadie. But first of all, again, you told me off <laughs> off microphone that you got to put the stuff on the air, Steve. Come on. Uh, that you talked to a couple good people. You said Santana, and I get the feeling Santana would be the kind of person that would look at you and say, son, gunga, gunga la gunga, always remember that. You know, what did he say to you? Uh, we weren't supposed to talk to the artists, uh, but he was out back after sound check, and he was standing there, and he had a, a free Nelson Mandela shirt on. Right, and it was all the African colors, and it was re- it was really pretty cool T shirt. I was like, man, that's a cool T shirt. You said that to him, yes, and he said, maybe someday he will be free. That's it. That's it. And I was like, oh wow. Yeah, you made way too much of that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you spoke to Amy Grant. Um, Amy Grant told me she was just she was in Christian music. Well, that was before, she went secular. She did pretty much baby, after that. Baby, but yeah. she she made her her money in Christian music, and I drove her to the airport too. And she basically told me she was in Christian music because she saw it as an avenue for her to advance her career, and she wasn't getting any, anywhere with her pop pop career. So that's why she went that way. I don't know. Doesn't that break your heart just a little bit? You know, whether you like Christian music or not, you should go in it full bore. Right. You should be part of it. You would think, but, you know, she's doing pretty well now. And she did, I cleaned her dressing room after the show. Total slob. Oh, was she really? Yeah, total slob. Oh. And when you talk about, everybody thinks, you know, you're just pulling cable and stuff. We have we had to do exciting jobs like clean the dressing rooms and Ugh. things like that, which... At least you never cleaned up after the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I can only imagine what would be left in that bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. You know, rubber gloves, <laughs> your hazmat suits. Well, we used to. One of the awful duties we used to have is pulling the cables through the house after the show, Ugh. and 
the cables are 100 feet long. Yeah. And you'd be pulling the cable along, and you just hit this wet spot. And <laughs> we, the term we used for it was baby puke. Yeah. And God knows what it was, but you would get done with that and immediately go wash your hands. And, t- and today, you'd have to worry about a lot more bloodborne sure. pathogens and whatnot. But yeah, it was pretty gross. Uh, what? If somebody wants to get into rodeoing, last question. I mean, what do they do? You show up at a venue and... and just be willing to work. It's it's that simple. Yeah, it's it's a completely thankless task. Yeah. And the hours are awful, but it's still pretty cool to just be around it. Yeah, you know, in your in, in a way you're around the the scene or the music. It's like the guy that cleans up the elephant poop at the circus. It's, I'm in show business. Exactly. And it's it's a lot of fun. It's a young man's game. Take a seat on the bench for a guy with a wrench. Yeah. Steve, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. We're going to do one more song. We're going to wrap up. And uh, that does it. Class is dismissed.